0: Hi everyone and welcome to the first episode of Trans Talks with me, Brandwyn Munn. If you followed my video series last year, Trans Truth, then you will have found out an awful lot about my experience of being a trans woman. So this year... I thought it would be a good idea to open up the forum, so to speak. So I've approached an absolutely gorgeous selection of my friends who all identify as being either under the trans umbrella or at least gender non-conforming in some way. And I interviewed each of them, some of them online and some of them in person. And we just talked about many issues associated with being trans or gender non-conforming. This first edition features an incredible young woman called Charlotte, who I've known online for quite a few years. Um, We actually met in person, I think it was in 2019, Um, but a lot has changed for both of us since then, as it has for the world, Uh, and it was really great to catch up with her. Um, So we talk about how we find ourselves as trans women, and how trans women often feel the need to overcompensate in their presentation for various reasons. We also talk about the disconnect between what the media tells us about trans people and their support or lack of, and the reality of trans support in our communities. One of the most interesting things we chatted about was the common trope of how trans people are often referred to as being trapped in the wrong body or born in the wrong body. And she has some amazing insight into that topic. So without further ado, here's episode one with the fantastic Charlotte. Hi! Hi! It's really nice to see you, Charlotte. It's so good to have you on the podcast. I see you too, hon. and um, especially exciting as you're the first victim—I mean, guest—to <laughs> appear on this. So thank you very much for.
1: I, I'm here on the Duras. If I'm um, being held here against a will I blink five times. Not that the audio listeners can hear that. But... I was going to
0: say you'll have to blink very loudly. <laughs> Okay, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you love? What do you like doing? Anything that you really don't like? Oh, that's a
1: big question, isn't it? I'm Charlotte. (laughs) My pronouns are she, they. Um, I'm a trans woman and I'm a massive lesbian, which is a very fun mix in Britain in 2023. Um, (laughs) I say my prime passions uh, are music, manga, and video games, because I am a stereotype. Um, <laughs> I I work as a waitress In the uh, East Midlands And that's, that, that's kind of me right now I like long walks At midnight um, I like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain
0: Oh my god
1: If you've ever met a trans woman And <laughs> b- beneath I don't know, like 30 And she just seems like A lot to be around, but also Like fun
0: That'll be me, I guess. That's you. I love that. So there are many permutations of um, trans. Like we're talking about the big umbrella of trans. Mm. Um, I noticed you mentioned that your um, pronouns are she, they. So would yes. you identify like as a trans woman or is there some non-binariness about it? Or
1: The language that we best have for me is woman. I am mostly a woman. I, I'm like set depending on how I feel at any given time. I'm either 100 percent or like 70 percent, 60 percent a woman, and uh, the rest is like a can of screaming worms or something. Zero um, percent <laughs> of that's man, uh, but depending on how much the worm can is howling, um, that's uh,
0: <laughs> that is an incredible, incredible metaphor.
1: Thank you. My, my girlfriend said that once, and like, a howling mass of canned worms.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Um, brilliant. So as this is kind of, you know, quite a specific podcast with specific individuals, um, I, the first part of what I want to find out is a little bit more about you and your experience um, in this kind of adventure of um, being trans. So is there a starting point? I mean, did you like have like a kind of light bulb moment where you're like
1: alright oh, I understand what yes. this is about me
0: or was it a more gradual thing or have you always known this
1: this was a lightning bolt moment um, very much so there were there, there signs as there often are um, one of my earliest memories is of my cousin um, taking me up to my grandma's room just putting all the jewellery on me and her high heels and everything and her makeup and walking me downstairs again and um, being very happy in that moment. Amazing. How old were you then? Five or something. Being like, yeah, this this roars!
0: That must be one of your first memories.
1: It really is. Wow. Well. One of my earliest memories. Yeah, so blame her for everything. <laughs> uh, but the the actual time I came out was 2021. Was it, no, well, it wasn't. I was 21. It was 2019. Okay. It was about the time I started my master's at university, yeah. Um, I'm. I came out just before lockdown, uh, right in the middle of my slut phase, which really put a put a dent on things. <laughs> um, I just started experimenting with makeup and with drag and with cross dressing in my day to day life, and more and more as time went on, and then things just kind of escalated. Yeah. From that until it became part of my more daily life. Yeah. And then I I saw this um, this image online of, I think, like, Pokemon Diamond? Someone out there is going to crucify me. But Hmm. some Pokemon game. It was on a character select screen. I was asking, do you want to be the girl? And it was just yes or no. For some reason, that image just made me go, yes, I do! Wow. And um, have you heard of the button before? The button? The button. don't think so. It's kind of a running joke in some trans circles. Um, The button is... If there was a button that would immediately, when you press it, you'd turn into a girl, would you press it? And I, as a kid, I thought about that button unprompted, like, I'm going to say 60% of nights. Wow. But in my head, I was like, oh, all the other boys would also press the button. Yeah. Because it's the same for everybody. Obviously, uh-huh. I'm not weird or different. Yeah, just yeah. being girls cooler and better and everyone wants to be it and everybody really is it, like in the heart of hearts. But you know, it's just some people don't even care about that and that's up to them. It was only when I was twenty one I went. Oh God. <laughs> oh no.
0: I've really gotta push the button.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've have I've I've gotta push the button.
0: I found this with myself. Like i I came out 15, 16 years ago, I can't remember exactly. Mm. And, uh, I mean, there weren't anywhere near as many trans people out there as there there are now Mm -hmm. um, back then. But I kind of felt like... I think a lot of trans women at that time felt um, like we had to... uh, we had to have always felt like this, you know we we were born like this, and I mean, yeah, we were born like this, but we there were so many um obstacles against us that we were very, very good at hiding it and and so I felt like a like a fraud almost because I hadn't had this experience of like growing up feeling like I'm in the wrong body all the time um It was just so hidden, but as in those years since coming out and and transitioning. I've remembered so many things about when I was young that are like, oh my god, why did I not see this? I mean, obviously, I didn't. I grew up in the seventies and eighties, so like, it was very much, much harder to find like a word for what I was or an understanding of that kind of identity because we just didn't know people like it. Um, whereas now. It's a bit easier to sort of make that like realization about yourself. But have you experienced that where you've noted you've mentioned that memory of like you know when you were young and your relative putting jewellery on you and everything? Are, are there things that have come through through your memory bank since?
1: Yes, one hundred percent. The crazy thing about denial is it makes you deny everything. Yes,
0: yeah, everything.
1: Denial's a shovel. You know, some of that stuff is still really well buried. Yeah, uh, the the thing about the button only happened I'd say like a couple of years ago when I remembered that but there was other things like I started to realize just how many times I've done drag and cross-dressing throughout my life hmm. I remembered um pretending to be a girl on RuneScape <laughs> and um and Club Penguin a little bit <laughs> and thing and think and Roblox as well and, and things like Things like that just really helped um, me cope.
0: Yeah.
1: But back in the day, all these things um, they got buried once again, and they're the, the resurfacing. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's a really weird feeling. It's, it's a validating feeling. It makes your uh, your life experience almost make just a tad more sense.
0: Yeah. Totally. Yeah, each each little remembering or, like, realisation of those historic things. So when you were talking about RuneScape and stuff. Like, for me, it was Dungeons & Dragons with paper. Me too. Yes, d d forever. Um, I changed schools when I was, like, 14, 13 or 14. And, like, they didn't have D&D in my old school. But when I went to the new school, were, there were some kids playing it. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to play this. And, like, the first time I played it, I probably played a male character. Um, but from then on, every other time, and then we started playing Star Wars, the role-playing game, and I was always like, yes, I'll be the female smuggler, or I'll be the female Jedi, or whatever, you know. And again, it was like I would spend so much time and effort on the character sheet and writing up this incredible backstory full of details. And uh, and then often in the game, when it came to a bit where I really had to role-play femme, my denial would kick in again, and like, yeah, that I just would flop completely and not know how to be. And but that, what you were saying, that validation thing of every time you could make a decision like that, every time you could say yes, I'm going to play a female character or cross dress for some like reason or other that you could, you know, create. Sometimes, oh, very much so. Um, very
1: much so. There was one time I went to a party that was a uh, Midsummer Night's Dream themed. Yeah. So, for a quick rundown for people who, I don't know, didn't see English, um, in Midsummer Night's Dream, there are these uh, four people called Mechanics, which is, like, basically day labourers, and they put on a um, not-very-good play in the middle of Midsummer Night's Dream. And um, one of them, uh, in, like, a reference to how Shakespeare was cast in the day, is a man who is going to play a woman and be in drag... Now, for this party, I went as that guy in character, as um, the character of Thisbe in The Myth of Pyramus and Thisbe. Tragedy, I think, of Pyramus and Thisbe. And um, I didn't even go in drag. Like In in the text, it's mentioned, what shall you do about your beard? It's like, I guess I'll shave. (laughs) But some performances still have him like, Beat it up. Yeah. I, I, I went full fam. I bought a new wig. I, I went and got a dress in Primark. I, I posed everywhere. I borrowed my mum's clutch. I, I looked not great because the wig wasn't a very good colour on me. But uh, I felt amazing that whole night.
0: Yeah.
1: Th- the thing about drag as a trans person, when you're, when you're doing it not knowing you're a trans person, when it's the mask, cannot drag... That's, um, no that one tells you how sad it is to get out of it. Yeah. You know, I, some of so my last memories of being in drag like that, one of the, um, things that really started to spiral in my mental health was the last time I went in proper drag to a party. Uh, not the actual party, that was lovely, but getting out of it afterwards and taking off my makeup. Yeah and my glitters, and my, uh, um, and my diamantes I had on my cheeks somehow, I can't remember exactly. And um, just looking in the mirror and almost crying, because I was like, in the moment, I was something beautiful, something that I'd always wanted to be, but something I couldn't put my finger on. And um, I, I was literally taking it off before a mirror. I literally scrubbing off layers of myself with a cloth to to unearth the unhappy man that I was wow and um it, it was another experience like that that actually made me come out actually uh, cracked my egg yeah is the phrase um I, I'd went out the night before uh, to like do you know the franchise of bar revolution yeah revolutions they do white chocolate vodka it's amazing um but I, I went, not in drag, but kind of femme. I, I had a tropical shirt on, I had pink shorts, um, and I had my makeup done. And I looked I kind of looked like a butch lesbian, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I had my hair up, slicked up. Um, and then I got home the next day, and I woke up, and I wasn't hungover, but I had what I called at the time a gender hangover, where something about me just crashed. I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't wake up as the person I'd just woken up as without yeah. the butchness, without the hair being up, without the makeup and being seen, even if not as a woman, being as something seeing as something queer. And like that's the day I just went, okay, I'm trans. I yeah. don't know in what direction, and I, I think I said non-binary as a foothold, yeah, for a short period of time, and then I, I went more as woman, pre- with the uh, previously mentioned provisos. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's funny because I don't usually mention the non-binary parts, you know, yeah, just because I'm usually talking to cis people. And um, when I'm talking to cis people, I'm like, oh, 100% a woman.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to
1: hold your hand through this. Yeah. You know, as soon as I'm talking to another trans person, they can come out because, like, I don't need to hold your hands through this.
0: (laughs) That is really... I've I've often wondered about the whole, like, spectrum thing. Again, I know I keep harking back to when I was, like transitioning it was a long long time ago and I remember getting a book at that time called *Gender Queer*, which is like a book of essays about people who were like identifying with all sorts of things but and, and I didn't really identify with it at all at the time I was just like no I'm a trans woman I don't get what all this is about and I often wonder what I would have done if I had come out now you know like there are so many permutations and yeah, that thing about the foothold, yeah, it's, it's really interesting.
1: I think a lot of our existence is talking down to cis people. It, at times it's a survival tactic, you know? Yeah.
0: Do you mean, when you say that, do you mean like o- like overcompensating or, um, or trying to simplify?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, both those. Um, like, something that I think is kind of underreported, is how binary and how traditionalistic the view of transgenderism the NHS has. And when I think about having to, like, once again, kind of talk down to some people about water it down, I think is a better term for it. Mm. I've told the NHS uh, basically everything, but I'd never tell them the non-binary thing
0: yeah yeah
1: because that could directly interfere with me getting a medical um transition at some point yeah because i i'm not talking to people who want to hear about my transness i'm talking to people who want an excuse not to medicalize my transness not to give me any kind of diagnosis you know yeah yeah
0: yeah that's tough it's tough Um, And, yeah, there is, it's quite sad, I think, that, like, generally, uh, among cis people, I mean, obviously, like, there are an increasing amount of amazing allies that have, you know, educated themselves and expanded their understanding.
1: Shout out to my mum. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out out to
0: your mum. (laughs) 100%. Um, And my mum. And your mum. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My mum's amazing, yeah. And, and that's my family, but my mum's my the first one I told. But carry on, carry on, sorry.
0: And, yeah, like, the, the fact that there are a lot of people that aren't like that, it is like a defence mechanism, almost, for us mm-hmm. to, like, mm-hmm. really... Like I was saying before, about overcompensating or... Like, not giving an inch, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm 100% trans! And I'll tattoo that across my forehead so that you can't deny it anymore. Because we feel like if we give an inch, somebody's going to try and sweep the rug from under us and deny our
1: existence. Yeah, we're not allowed to be as messy and as, as fun. Yeah, and as free. Like, with our self-identities, as we probably should be. Yeah. Because of this, like... Me being seen as a woman at times is life and death, so, yeah.
0: There's I used to find, and I still do, I kind of ignore it more now because I'm much more reclusive than I've ever been. But, like, there used to be this thing that used to really frustrate me where, on the one hand, good friends were saying, oh, you don't have to wear makeup all the time, you know, you look great, you're blah blah blah, you don't have to, like be so worried about your presentation or your voice is fine we see you as a woman blah 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 but on the and 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 a, and a lot of the time that could be used against you as well like, yeah. um, not yeah. by allies but by enemies who would you know insult you for like oh you're trying to, you've got too much makeup on or you're trying to do this and then in the next breath would be like are you really a woman though you know yeah. it's like you, put those two things together and you can understand why we are, you know, very careful about our presentation when we go out, um, particularly if we're going anywhere at night or where there's lots of people. um, And again, I know cis women experienced this in a similar way. Well, not in a similar way, but they also experienced those kind of issues. But, um, yeah, for us, I don't know, it feels... Maybe we just are a little bit overcompensatory, but I just hear of so many people who get abused and attacked in the daytime, in the supermarket, you know, wherever. Um, uh, And there's also a dysphoric element of as soon as somebody misgenders you. And so you're kind of like wanting to make it as abundantly clear which pronouns that shopkeeper should use um, without you having to explain it to them. Verbally, as you enter the shop or wear a little badge, you know, our little badge is like our ex- sometimes extremely detailed
1: presentation. I, uh, my job as well, it's very customer facing, mm. and I'm gonna say 99% of customers are very okay. Yeah, um, 99% she, me, yeah, I, I sometimes get laid by customers as a I don't know what to do with this, but I'm supportive kind of way. That's cool. And I respect that. If if mm. if you don't know what's going on here, I don't blame you. Yeah. So. Just use they. Just use they. Fine with that. And if I get he hymned at any time, I very, very rarely think it's any kind of malice. If I get he hymned at any time, I think of it more as, like, an honest mistake a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's often an honest mistake I don't correct because I'm not brave enough. But, um... It's very rare that being he hemmed feels like it's got any kind of bite. Yeah. But it does happen and it messes up my whole day.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you see, it's, it's impossible to explain that because there's no parallel. There's no like, oh, it's like when this happens. It's a unique experience that I didn't know until I realised I was trans and came out. And then immediately that it happened, like, the next day because I was at the beginning of my transition. And, of course, it happened every day. Um, the feeling of that is such a vivid and strong... Yeah. And I, and I know it's something that we all in the community share. And, yeah, it, it's powerful.
1: It's just an act of unpersoning, you know? It's yeah. It's a removal of agency. Yeah. It's... um i think quite a lot of like misogynistic language
0: yes yeah i suppose that's the nearest yeah
1: it's like using uh words as oppression mm-hmm. but that that's very generic you know that's very once yeah. again brother terms and as
0: you were saying it's often unintentional or like yeah. not intended to be like that
1: but it's a denial of personhood it's a denial of agency it's um this isn't something you can choose, Yeah, I'm choosing for you, <laughs> and like, not all the time, once again, I take it as that, I take it as an honest mistake, but sometimes it really feels like somebody actively trying to, uh, state a worldview through my body, through the language they use on me, and, uh, yeah, it just sucks.
0: Yeah, it does like you I've I've rarely felt that it was done maliciously it's often people who just often on the phone if they can't see me I know my voice is something that is something I've always struggled with um but even in person sometimes depending on <laughs> how much effort i made that day and it's it's rarely malicious but i have noticed that when i see people online um, in comment sections, never go to the comment sections, but when, of course, I do every day. Yes, you do. Um, and you see people purposefully misgendering. There, there was a, a post today about somebody in um, in the north of England, a friend of mine um, who is also being interviewed in this podcast series. Oh, England, very nice. And they posted, a, like, a police post about somebody who'd vanished um, and they were, campa- you know, asking if anybody had seen her. And from the photo it was fairly clear that it was a trans woman. And yeah, yeah, of course, the bulk of the main comments with the most, they were like really kind of caring and thoughtful, but then as you scroll down, you of course get to the bigots. And um, I mean, considering this person is missing and everyone's worried about her and anyway, um, but just reading when some bigoted person purposefully uses the wrong pronouns in there. And it kind of makes me as angry, that kind of makes me angry in a different way, because it's like it's outward anger, because I know I'm angry at that person purposefully, maliciously misgendering. Um, But I think it comes from a similar place. It's just that when somebody accidentally misgenders me, I feel like my anger at that goes back into me somehow, because I don't blame them. When I say that out loud, that sounds super unhealthy.
1: Yeah. And and talk about comment sections. I always think it's important to remind myself that these people like that are the extremely vocal minority. Yeah, yeah. Um, That just helps me out to remember that when people voted, well, not voted, but they were asked uh, by census about uh, reformations to the Gender Recognition Act... The majority, the grand majority of respondents were either positive or neutral, mm. and um, it was only a very small number of people that was against. Yeah, yeah. And um, that—that's the main thing keeping me going, I guess. Yeah. I mean, as
0: you say, it's it's a minority, uh, but they're just
1: very vocal. Very vocal. Wow, they're so vocal. When um, you look at the arguments of many transphobes the uh, especially uh, trans exclusionary radical feminists these arguments often break down to basic misogyny um and especially once again in the depths of a comment section yeah which, which is, is not the place <laughs> to find any kind of nuanced debate no but i i have a um i have a lesbian friend female at birth who um was very vocal about getting into online arguments with uh, transphobes and TERFs and um, I often see a transphobe coming at them in from whatever angle and saying you'll never be a real woman <laughs> you if you have a hole it is not it is a fuck hole it is not for baby making oh my god and she just goes born with a vagina <laughs> <laughs> and, Sorry. Uh, yeah, but that that never stops them. It never stops them. The fact that she is assigned female at birth, uh, they have become enemies, and so it just feels free ranged for these feminists to critique. I know mm-hmm. cheekbones to critique some kind of skull shape
0: yeah. or
1: or shoulder, or shoulder width. width. Yeah, their mm-hmm. shoulder width. A hundred percent. It's always shoulder width. It's always a go-to. <laughs> But um, tran- these transphobes and these turfs, some kind of, like, veiled misogyny in these comments that are reflecting back into the world. Same with um, a couple of the most prominent speakers in uh, turf circles. Uh, for people who may not be aware who Graham Linehan is, Graham Linehan is an Irish uh, ex-TV writer and also ex-husband. Ex. <laughs> um, he... Uh, he was a writer on The IT Crowd, and I think... Father Ted. Father Ted. That's the one. Thank you. Uh, now mostly known for his horrifying level of radicalisation into transphobia. What What's very interesting to me about Graham Linehan as a figurehead of a transphobic movement is he's just some guy. Yeah. He's, he's just some dude. Um, and when you read... He's a comedy writer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he's not a woman. He's not a victim. He is just some guy who has found a hate movement that relies on the same kind of principles as his uh, bigotry, his own personal bigotry. Yeah.
0: Oh, he's like apex privilege, really. He very much is. Um, he's like rich, white, male... Fully able, as far as we know.
1: How, how do you post so hard yeah. that your wife leaves you? <laughs> what, one day I aspire to post that much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so it doesn't ruin my life, but so I have the capacity to. Anyway, Gra- what was I saying? Yes, Graham Linhan. When you read his, um, I guess, complaints about individual trans people, they often boil down to, once again blatant old-school misogyny and uh, and a white supremacist outlook, yeah. you um, apply the insults he'll throw at a trans woman to a cis woman, and especially a cis woman of colour, and you'll notice immediately these insults are just veiled in base misogyny. Uh, as we labeled before, broad shoulders, masculine features, even, like, facial hair these are all things that cis women can and do have I know so many cis women who have facial hair Mm -hmm. I I know a weird amount of cis women with facial hair that's always been one that's stuck in my craw there's something that's just never talked about because if a cis woman shaves her face and gets she gets gender euphoria from that it gets rid of some kind of gender dysphoria because um she can present more as what's in her mind probably as traditionally female, traditionally feminine. If a trans woman shaves her face, it's the attempt to drag it up, to 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 paradise women, as I've read some second wave feminists put it as. Um, so much of what is layered at trans people is just misogyny with an extra vector they can hide beneath yeah yeah
0: yeah wow we jumped into some <laughs> we've we've gone off we've gone off map I'm happy which for is it. great i'm here yeah. that. who needs a map where we're we going we don't need
1: roads we just need maps by the band the yeah, yeah it's an amazing song <laughs>
0: um okay so you talked earlier about the button push Yes. A moment. And you've actually been quite specific about, you know, one of those, like the main moment of, or like a main moment where that happened when you had to like defem at the end of uh, a thing. And I very much relate to that, like returning to the grey of yes. our <laughs> existence pre trans. Um, how long was it between that kind of, you know, okay, now I know I've got to press the yes button now? How long was it before you came out you said you, you come out to your mum first
1: yeah it, w- it was a matter of a couple of months yeah um i can tell you the exact date i came out to my mum because it was mm. christmas eve 2019 wow i am one of the few people to come out to their parents in the graveyard
0: <laughs> that's very rock and roll
1: it's very rock and roll it's very um mary shelley of me i'd like to think <laughs> yeah because I'm, i'll just tell the story why not yeah Uh, my, uh, my dad passed away when I was four and, um, we go to visit the grave on, you know, special holidays and stuff. Oh, okay. Lay a wreath. And, um, it, it was the same as any other time, except this was my first time home after what people say is your egg breaking. Yeah. I really like that term, your egg breaking. I've never heard that, but that's, that's good. Yeah. And, um, it was weird. I was I was there with my mum, grandma, granddad, and uh, my uncle, and we went to car. and uh, I I was I guess I was more quiet than usual. I guess I was more contemplative, more sober. But had you planned? Had you planned it? Not at all. I had no idea, mm-hmm. and um, I think my mum noticed this because the other three. They got into the car and they waited while my mum walked with me up the way. And I said, yes, something is going on right now. And it's not something I'm ready to talk about, but something is going on. And she said, you can always talk to me about this. And I just broke. Hmm. I just, I just spilled my guts. Um, I said, I don't think I'm a boy anymore, I think was the exact phrasing. And, um, my mom was like, okay, okay. (laughs) Which, uh, is a very good and valid response. I I want to add Mm -hmm. to something kind of world changing. Yeah. And, um, we got in the car and we went to the pub and, um, we kind of bottled it in. I... I messaged my girlfriend at the time saying, oh my God, I just told my mum, oh my God, what do I do? And um, So she knew. Yeah. She and I both had a bit of a panic attack uh, in the bathroom for a second of the pub. Then we left. Christmas Eve continued like usual. Yeah. Until I think like 11pm. When my mum was just like, let's just talk about this. And we stayed up for like an extra hour. We talked about it. I think in our dressing gowns, and we cried about it. We both cried a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end, she was like, "Okay, I'll I'll do what I can do." Amazing. And um, she was hesitant because, of course, she was. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. And like she uh, said, it it was almost mourning a little bit for who she lost.
0: Quickly she realised, I'm imagining that fairly soon after she realised she hadn't lost anybody, but she had gained Gained a bionic version of what she had already.
1: (laughs) Very much so. And uh, the black tar heroine version of what she used to have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She, um, I remember very clearly at the end we started folding sheets while talking just as a uh, do something while we keep talking. And in a moment, I don't, I think it was just folding sheets, I just started crying. Yeah. She asked what was wrong, and I said, it's the first time I've really felt like your daughter. And I just cried into her. The rest of the family knew pretty soon after, I think my sister was told that night, if not the night after, Um. what a Christmas present, right?
0: Yeah. Happy Christmas, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think my grandma had that like a week after. And then that was kind of it. Uh, around February 2020, I came, came out to the rest of my family over Messenger because at that time I was at university. Yeah. So away from family, came out over Messenger. E- even the, uh, the the grandfather who once asked if I was a puffter a <sighs> at the dinner table... <laughs> uh, was was supportive of me, and I have like a full family's support behind me, which is amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah, I couldn't ask for more. And um, my 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 granddad, not the one I just mentioned, the one on my mum's side, he passed away a couple of years ago now. Uh, he he was kind of the one I always was a little unsure of. Just because it was very quiet, very reserved. And also, um he was dying basically that whole time. Wow. Yeah. And uh, because of that I I could never get a read on um how he thought about me. But he never misgendered me. That's all you need to know. He never deadnamed me, even accidentally. And like
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: Even even as like he was degrading yeah. quite rapidly both physically and mentally I still haven't processed that
0: <laughs> no no that is Miles's
1: the, the, the girlfriend I had at the time was a uh, a cis girl and like we broke up she was cis and heterosexual um things hadn't been working for a while anyway yeah I, I was being distant
0: I was in a relationship with a cis girl at the time when I came out, and and she was incredible, like, she was, like, immediately, whatever you are, whatever, however this looks, I'm, like, I'll be here and support you and be with you, and I was, like, my God, you know, that is so, like, loving, but... yeah. I still, I finished our relationship. I just, it's such a lot. You know, it's such a lot, uh, that, those first few months. And I just knew I had to be alone. Like I had to kind of, yeah. I just don't think. I'm sure like a lot of people will value their partner if they're, if it's a partner of a long time as well, that they can be incredibly supportive and it's going to be a rickety <laughs> bridge some of the time. Um, but That can be really helpful, but I found personally that I needed to just, like, detach from any kind of sex or love, that kind of relationship-y type of love, rather than, like, family love. Um, So, would you have rather that you
1: stayed together with her, or...? I I don't know, honestly. Mm. Things already weren't working. And she was, like happy for me she was proud of me but she wasn't in a place where she could really emotionally support me yeah she she supported me but she wasn't in a place where she could like relationship support me
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and um it just stopped working and uh yeah i I was single for quite a while after that had a couple of relationships a couple of hookups you know then uh in i think 2021 I met my partner, who... She's wonderful. She's the her uh, She is... kind of my life. Um, I moved up to the um, East Midlands from yeah. the South to be with her. And um, she's wonderful. The uh, most supportive, most loving person I've ever met. She's ridden. She's she's a programmer of course have you met us with trans <laughs> and um she's a massive nerd like like me perfect and just like my life with her is a million times better than it ever has been without yeah yeah and i and I couldn't i think we talked about this a couple of days ago i couldn't date sis anymore i Sorry, cis people, you're missing out on this catch. <laughs> it's it's not to do with any kind of cisphobia. It's just, if I was to date, if I was to um, be with somebody long term, it would have to be with somebody who's had the experience of transitioning. I see, yeah. Not just so they understand the issues. Yeah, yeah. But so, like... As a point of relating.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's not just like an academic understanding of no. the things, but it's like an emotional empathy that, yeah. that this person would not be able to bring to the
1: relationship. Yeah, Trends, um, Trending your gender is just this almost spiritual transformation. There's um, nothing else really like it. No. And uh, to have a partner who didn't know... That I just feel I'd be missing something. I feel I'd be missing so a vital part of who I am and what I'm attracted to.
0: This is interesting. This has got me thinking, because we were talking about transphobes or anti-trans people and bigots and incels and misogynists and everything else earlier on. That statement of what our transition is and how that it does feel like this kind of spiritual thing there is something like unearthly or like unprecedented about being trans and i wonder if for me a lot of the transphobic people out there and anti-trans people are um they're afraid of something 100 percent. we are being accosted currently by daily like examples of anti-trans behavior in the mainstream press and in the government and I, the only way I can really like even begin to process why that, that is happening is to, due to fear. And maybe if there is this, there is something like you spiritual. Can, you can or, think about it. Yeah, there's there's something. A spiritual way maybe it's yeah. the fear of that.
1: Like I, I'm not at all a spiritual person. I'm, I'm very um, so I'm very atheistic. But like, the closest I get to spirituality is talking about transness. You could call it humanist. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, of just the power and potential of human transformation and human growth. Yeah, and that's something that is seen, at least to me, much more in the world of um transitioning. Yeah, that the the power of almost complete self belief to be able to just find who you are in the darkness and. Grab that part of you that shines and just bring it out into the light, yeah. And uh, finds the best part of you and make that you.
0: There's something about the vessel as well, like because the stereotype is, ah, oh, they were born in the wrong body, you know, Gosh. which is it's kind it's kind of it's not exactly true, but it's, it's I can see where that belief
1: comes from or i'm a um, female soul trapped in a male body yeah yeah i have issues with but we'll get to that in a second
0: but whatever that is you know there is something about gender dysphoria for a lot of trans people not all trans people i know that dysphoria varies but a lot of trans people experience like body dysphoria um, I know I did. And uh, obviously, like, medical transition is mostly about that. It's about, like, what can we reconcile with this body? What can we do with this body to mm-hmm. to make it, like, um, align more with, with our... Our being, and you can't talk about that without it feeling or sounding spiritual. One hundred percent. It's like a, a soul in a vessel, and the soul is something different from the vessel. And we're going to just tweak the vessel as best we can. Um, uh, before,
1: before I came out, and I had less of an idea of trans issues. I I really struggled with the phrase like trapped in the wrong body personally, because once again I was very atheistic, and. Um, I was like, I don't believe in souls, so I have, I couldn't picture the idea of a female soul, a female mind, a female spirit until I was one. Um, and it, I I still don't see that as a soul. I still don't see it as like a dichotomy. I don't see it as a soul and a vessel. Yeah, I see it as one being. Um, when I when I transition, I'm not a woman trapped in a man's body. I have, maybe I was once, but I am now in a woman's body. I have transitioned for several years medically and socially. Apart from some very honestly minute differences, such as chromosomes, I am essentially in a woman's body. Yeah. I have reached a place in my transition where I am just female and the um, the distinction between sex and gender is something that can be used against us even by the most well-meaning people but even if there is a distinction i am both sex and gender are both more and less linked than people think they are I- i've met way too many people who are not man or a woman mm-hmm. to believe that sex and gender is anything but gradient but at the same time, in nature, sex is also a gradient. Yeah. Se- sex um, it is no, in no way a polarity. It is not a binary code. When a, a child is first being, um, being formed in the womb, they'll start out as female and uh, then transform into male as, as like the pregnancy continues. And um, by that logic... And uh, if if uh, sex was polar, all men are trans. And at the same time, I can imagine somebody arguing against that, saying this isn't <laughs> a finished product, this this is um, somebody pre-birth. It can't be uh, a natural example mm. of sex being a gradient. There's also intersex people. I know many wonderful intersex people uh, people who are born with, uh, patchwork chromosomes, I think is the term, with multiple sets of genitalia, or, uh, I, I actually knew somebody, I think from Indiana, who had, um, was born and was identified as male upon birth, but later on in life found, um, ovaries. Oh, wow. I probably think, of like, a CT scan that she had, and, um... Just because most people fit one or the other doesn't mean there isn't a broad spectrum in all of nature yeah yeah yeah, uh, I think if I remember correctly, intersex people like one percent of the um of the population that's quite a high amount, and I don't want to treat them as some kind of uh yeah like an anomaly yeah non human yeah, I don't want to treat them as just an example either Mm-hmm. These are these are people who exist just along the same gradient on different points, just like we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. The last thing, then, um, one phrase I've noticed appearing a lot in the last year, probably, probably in a reaction against the shitstorm that's going on, is the term trans joy, mm. which I absolutely love. The first day I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Yes. <laughs> a definition. What do you, how do you kind of
1: define trans joy for you? To me, trans joy is trans life. It's trans experience. Um, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of media about trans people, especially media about trans people created by cis people, likes to imply some kind of pain to our existence. Mm-hmm. Um a film I loathe I think it's called the Danish Girl, oh yeah, I've never watched I can't I just um but yeah <laughs> it's uh largely trans misery porn <laughs> okay you're no. not you're not
0: enthusing me to watch it at all, so
1: yeah, but yeah that that our lives are just harassment and uh death mm-hmm. either of the physical self. of the heart and that's sadly true for so many trans people throughout history Mm But it doesn't have to be and um trans lives trans identities begin with joy they begin with the joy of finding yourself and becoming what you always were of becoming your best self I know people who really struggle with dysphoria who haven't had any access to uh, medical HRT look in the mirror and at least know they're trying. Yeah. Tra- trans joy is finding happiness in the things that other people overlook and to be uh, treated with respect and empathy by somebody just in general public. That is trans joy. Yeah. To find someone else like us and to uh, fall in love and rent a house where we barely pay for and bills we barely keep up with and we fight for. But we sleep next to each other every night. That's trans joy. Mm -hmm. Being able to create our art, create our media, to find each other in this world, that is trans joy. And, um, no matter what happens, if things get worse, trans people will never stop existing. We'll always be here, whether we're allowed to be or not, whether we're loudly or not. Mm-hmm. Trans people we are the new vanguard. we are the thing that goes bump in the night <laughs> for um for those in power. We are the thing that they want to destroy because we represent change and hope and life and joy outside of a capitalistic structure and those in power, the uh, British Parliament, American government, both Republican and Democrat, there's nothing that can stop us from existing and they may temporarily May temporarily win, they may make our lives so much worse, and I hate to say it, but I think they will mm. I think you're right but if if I die, if i'm found if I'm found on the street like so many women before me, especially women of color, there'll always be someone after me to feel the joy, yeah, and that will keep going It's a chain, and we'll never it'll never break.
0: Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you, Brennan. Thank you for giving me a whole load of trans joy in the last hour. Uh, I've really enjoyed that, listening
1: to your thoughts
0: and sharing thoughts. um, Keep spreading that joy.
1: I have to wait some tables first. (laughs) (laughs) See you soon, Brennan. Bye.
0: So there you go, episode one of Trans Talks. I hope you enjoyed, I hope you found it informative. It certainly blew my mind. Thank you once again to Charlotte, it was so great to talk with you. And yeah, stay tuned, there'll be another episode very soon. If you'd like to follow the podcast on whatever platform you listen on, that would be amazing. You'll then get a little notification to tell you when the next episode comes out. In the meantime, sending lots of love to you all. And I will see you next time for another edition of Trans Talks.